ABF Creative. ABF Creative. Many define athlete success by the number of MVPs earned, all-star appearances, touchdowns scored, baskets made, or championships won. But the real wins occur off the field. When we watch and hear our sports stars discuss the topics that matter in the pursuit of equality and social justice, these voices should be heard, celebrated, and most importantly, shared. These are the real sports heroes. time to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, what are we doing to create change? They're just so happy to see a black man who will stand up and jeopardize every court he's got to tell the truth. I'm seeing things happen to people that don't have a voice, people that don't have a platform to talk and have their voices heard and affect change. We will definitely not shut up and dribble. I would definitely not do that. Being an NBA player don't exclude me from no conversation at all. First and foremost, I'm a black man and I'm a member of this community. Go after your dreams. You don't allow anything to take you away from your dreams. Hi, I'm Kiara Luck, a sports and entertainment enthusiast who has the privilege to be before you as the new host of Real Sports Heroes. By definition, a hero is a person who is admired or idolized for their courage, outstanding achievements, or noble qualities. Being a hero doesn't have to be grand. It's the little things like responding to a fan, playing pickup in the neighborhood, or simply using your platform to evoke change one moment at a time. On this episode of Real Sports Heroes, I had the opportunity to speak with Shamiqua Hoskaw, a world-renowned athlete, advocate, and author. Her powerful story is one that speaks to all that has faced adversity. Host Call Vision is to raise awareness for mental health issues and to educate and advocate for those that feel like they are suffering. Here's my conversation with Shamiqua Host Call. Okay, so um, again, thank you. And my first question for all women who come on this show is just let me know, like in a male dominated field, how mm -hmm. did you dominate the way that you did? Um, well, I think a lot of it um, for me was just growing up here uh, in New York City and I played basketball and Back when I was coming up, we considered ourselves the Mecca of sports. And so um, it was a common thing to see, you know, uh, guys out there playing street basketball. And when I was younger, you know, when you're a young kid, you have no fear. You don't really mm -hmm. like understand things. So I just hopped out there and was playing with the boys. <laughs> and um, at a young early age, they started to accept me. You know, I was just out there as, as one of the hoopers. And as I got a little older, it's that separation, you know, because mm -hmm. I think I played with the boys until I was um, 14, four, about 14 years old. And then it was a separation. You, know, you have to play there, yeah. um, you know, and so you know, I dealt with that, but I always received the love um, and support from my male um, counterparts. Now, when you talk about the business, you know, when you step into the business realm mm -hmm. of things, um, it's a little bit different because, you know, female athletes aren't necessarily, they're respected. Some of the great ones definitely are respected, but right. you might not necessarily see the same financial gain. So that's a, that's probably the only like major adjustment, but as far as the love and support, I've been blessed to, to always have that. And I've just gone out there um, since I was young and just competed. 
Right. The financial aspect is a whole nother podcast. <laughs> right, right. That right. needs to be discussed <laughs> on the it's crazy how the, the gap is just it's just insane. At what point did you realize that basketball was your, your purpose? Um, I probably um, didn't realize it um, until I was probably like in, in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that a lot of uh, guys in my neighborhood and stuff, I would see all these like prominent college coaches come through and I knew that they would get recruited and get to play at these big time um, universities. And you got to remember I, that was like the, during the 80s. So in yeah. New York, there was a lot going yeah. on and I'm living in the inner city, you know, my grandmother and having a family that like stress education my grandmother put the bug into my ear she's like hey listen like if you take care of things academically um everyone says you're a great athlete um you know you're gonna have these opportunities and i'm looking at these male players like go and all these like big time Mm -hmm. coaches i'm like i want that to be me and uh, eventually that's when i probably high school that's when i realized like wow this is something that is is if i really put a lot of work into it and work hard and continue to work hard, I can have a very bright future at it. But a lot of people don't understand. I was, you know, gathering myself and working hard to have the opportunity to go to one of these big time colleges. There was no professional leagues um, in the U.S. Uh, for women's basketball players that, you know, were really at a high level. And, you know, our dream back then was to go um, and play overseas possibly. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about um, playing under Pat Summit. Now you have, like your collegiate accolades are insane. Like, you know, you are, to say a superstar college athlete to me is an understatement. Talk about your experience um, playing at Tennessee and being under one of the greatest, not not women basketball coaches, but the greatest basketball coach of all time. Yeah, Right. I'm I'm glad you you said that. I mean, um, having an opportunity to go and play for the University of of, of Tennessee and be mentored and coached by legendary uh, Pat Summit um, was probably one of the most important decisions that me and my family made because coach summit, everything that she came into my household, she, they come and they tell you, you know, all the good things as far as like your opportunity necessary of uh, playing, they have your major, how you're going to be a star. But I would say her pitch was a little bit different. She promised us that, you know, I, I definitely number one, my family wanted to hear this, my grandmother in particular, hey, she's going to graduate college and I'm going to make sure she has a sisterhood and a family to be there um, and support her. And when you're sending your 18 you know, year old kid, 17, 18 year old kid off to a place that they don't identify with, that's like really important. My grandmother wanted to make sure that I got something um, out mm-hmm. of it. And so here I am in 1995 now arriving on a, a campus and it was different. It was a, it was culture shock. Um, I'm a New York City kid and going to uh, a, you know a country, <laughs> a southern uh, city. Um, you know it wasn't the diversity, and mm-hmm. I really got homesick. And here was this woman who came into my house and told my family that she had my back, and she she had just that. You know, she said it's going to be tough, but she goes once you meet your your teammates and you get um, on a schedule. 
um, everything's going to work out. And I'm glad that I believed in her because it did. Um, I found out through my experience with Coach Pat Summit that family is not necessarily um, yeah. always blood. It's the yeah. people that show up and show out for you in your life. And that was what my experience was at Tennessee. It was a family environment. Um, and it was it was led by someone who, <laughs> when I tell you, motivated you to work. And it's not necessarily out of a fear. It was out of a respect for yes. her, yeah. the work that she put into it, and just the results we were able to get. And so uh, I'm just so blessed because I'm 40, I'm 44 this year. And just to know the lessons that she taught me um, and taught some of my other teammates, you know, we're carrying them with us through life. Yeah, I mean, right, right. The, you know, the thing I think of is, uh, you know, always is tough times don't laugh, but tough people do. And right. um, when, when you play for her, I would say you want to transfer. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> it, it's hard, but life is hard. And that's what you realize uh, as an adult. Right. What is one of your favorite stories with Coach Summit at Tennessee? Oh, my God. I, I have so many, but I'm going to say um, one one is like, OK, at this time, it's like my sophomore or junior year. I'm, I'm a star. You know, mm -hmm. our team is successful. And I just remember, like, I got kicked out of practice. Like she was just like, whatever happened, I wasn't working hard. It just threw me out. And, you know, you're so frustrated. And if you play sports, you know, like, she doesn't want you here. So you're thinking, go back to my dorm. The assistant right. coach comes in and actually it was my sophomore year. Assistant coach comes in and she's like, no, coach said you have to stay in the locker room till practice is over. So after practice was over, I come back out on the court. We have to call it up as a team. I'm included in the huddle. And then it's like, as soon as I step off the court after she just screamed me out, kicked me out, she puts her arm around me and she goes, Hey, so how you feeling? Uh, you want to grab a bite to eat? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what is this lady crazy? But she was, she, she taught me then when you're in a, a court or office is it, you know, wherever your place of taking care of business, you have mm -hmm. to lock in, you have to take care of business. Once we finish with that and we step yeah. off that yeah. court, it's over. You know, she, she knew how to separate those two, you know, good cop, bad cop. Right. And I'm sitting there like, wow. But I knew she loved me and she supported me. And then that's something you just carry in your head. You don't forget those little lessons, you know? Right. So now you're selected. Number one. You're on right. the cover mm -hmm. of Slam, first woman. You know, again, yes, these accolades yes. continue to, to just climb. What was mm -hmm. going through your mind when you were the number one pick in the WNBA? Oh, wow. It was a, a, a dream come true. And because first of all, I mean, so many things were happening. Because right. as a young kid, I, I used to write notes to myself and um, letters, which my grandmother presented me with uh, on draft day. I was going to be the first woman to play uh, in the NBA, right? Now, that didn't happen because a, a beautiful creation happened. It was like the WNBA, right? right. So now... Right. You know, I have a, a platform. I have an opportunity to, you know, uh, pave the way for other young girls. Mm -hmm. Here I am now, you know, and I I had the opportunity to get drafted um, in New York, you know, from New York City. I'm, I'm from here. So it was just great to have my family there, to have a dream come true, the, the excitement. And I got the opportunity to come back 
on the East Coast and, mm-hmm. um, you know, play in Washington, D.C. I was drafted number one, but I was just so excited, man, to see like my grandmother there. And this woman prayed for me and supported mm-hmm. me and, and loved me and nurtured me to have like one of my dreams come true. I knew that was like really big for her because, you know, looking back, I, I work really, really hard. You know, now, nowadays, you know, a lot of stuff is shown, like kids show a lot of their yes. um, stuff on social media or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was like, man, it was it was snowing here in New York. I was out there in the basketball court. I really put a lot of work in to get to where I got, um, where I grew up in a story of housing projects. You know, people will tell you stories. Like I was the kid that was running to a story apart, you know, with, with like weighted vest and, and, and before it was cool, you know, like right, I right. wanted this. And so to have, you know, the opportunity to take that center stage and in New York City with my family was amazing. Now, is there a player in the NBA that you came across that you were just like, she's not worth the hype. I am better. Than, than her like you had to come out and prove a point was there a player in your career that you were just like I have to show this girl out I would say that there's not one particular player I, I think for me you know growing up like those before you right so it, right. you always look at the players like all right that you grew up like watching you know right, and right. whose posters I had on my wall so I'm I'm thinking of like uh, you know, Don Staley's, the, uh-huh. the Cynthia Coopers, Lisa, yes. Lisa, I mean, Lisa Leslie show swoops. Yes. Like if I have an opportunity to play against them, I want to bring my A game to right. show that, that I belong. And, and, you know, I don't want to really tell them that I had their posters <laughs> on my <laughs> But yeah, those those are the ones, you know, the, the, always those who are like for you, you know, because those are like that was the standard, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I saw your Knuckleheads podcast and you talked about Cynthia Cooper. And for those who didn't watch the Knuckleheads podcast, talk about Cynthia Cooper and her and her coming out, shocking you and, and had you, you know, on the defense. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yes. Was 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 that the story about when I like tapped her in the head with the ball? Oh yeah, yeah. She was she was gonna um, really uh, give it to me as a as a rookie player. <laughs> you know, it's like I guess that was sort of disrespectful. But um, you know, having an opportunity to to play against her because again, the WNBA was like fairly new. But mm-hmm. these women have been overseas, you know, like yeah. playing in Italy, playing, you know, in, in Asia, you know, making names for themselves as well as like bringing that flavor because they were able to like learn um, the languages and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having her come back and, you know, learning what like Euro steps are, you know, just playing a game with a different type of fl- flair. I think it just took everybody by storm and, and myself included. So of course, like I said, that was a big matchup. And I just remember like catching the ball and I was, it was a height difference cause I'm six, two. And I think she's like maybe five, nine. And I like faked it like to the post player and it hit her in the head and she spun around and I went off and like dribbled. So it looked like <laughs> I set up this like whole play. And the next thing you know, my friend is like, man, she's going off in the locker room <laughs> and just upset with me. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> so what are some 
the changes that you've seen from when you were in the WNBA to now? I mean, do you like the girls or are there some things that you wish were different or are there some things that have stayed the same that kind of like, not pisses you off, but like, bro, at this point, it should be different. For instance, like the pay, the pay right. should be totally different. So what are some changes that you've noticed? Right. Well, first, first and foremost, just um, the, the, the young ladies, young women finding the, the power in their voices. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a different time now. Um, and a lot of these players have platforms due to, you know, social media and, and fans. And it's really using them to, to, to activate, to activate in their community, to speak up for how they feel. And as we saw you know, during um, COVID, you know, just so many players taking a stance of social yes. injustice yeah. to, to mental health, just, yeah. you know, it's just so many different fields and that's what you like. You like, you, you want that, not that's what you like, but yeah, it's, it's something that you want to see um, change because for a long time, you know, back when it first started, you're trying to figure out what a professional athletes looks like, you know, as yes. a women's female yes. basketball player. And, you know, we gradually got better in that and understanding what the commitment is now to see the community impact, you know, and for us to have that, that strength in our voice that mm-hmm. echoes, you yes, know, far and, and loud. So I'm really proud about that. And I'm just, you know, proud of them for standing up, you know, for, for having these conversations as, as far as the collective bargaining agreement mm-hmm. um, to get in a little bit more, you know, in different areas. Um, and this hopefully that it just will continue to grow. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's like one of the uh, the fastest uh, or the or longest going like startup sport or something like that because mm-hmm. I, I think when even when basketball started with the ABA you know it switched over yeah, yeah. but as far as like the being a WNBA it's going on like you know 20 some plus years now yeah. and you know it's, it's, it's growing and that's what you want to see man but I think it, it just takes it, it really took the, the players voices you know that really pushed the needle um, to open up spaces for these women to be successful you can't give them the immediate you know financial success i guess they want like let's open up these doors because there's there's so many other ways to impact community so a couple maybe like a day or two ago uh michael jordan announced a huge wnba endorsement with 11 players one of the largest rosters um of a a national Mm -hmm. brand um, I know MJ is a mentor of yours. What does it mean to have someone of that stature kind of give his platform to women basketball and elevating women's voices? Right. I just think, you know, it, it's a it's a it's a great thing. I mean, the brand Jordan, you know, is just it's been around for a long time. And, you know, when you see see kids, I have a cousin who's never really seen Michael Jordan play, but he wants the shoes, he wants the apparel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's yeah. longevity in that. And now for him having that stake in the game and opening it up and saying, hey, here are 11 players that we're going to support. Um, we're behind them. That's that's a big thing because it, it brings uh, a brand notoriety for people that mm-hmm. may not have you know, watch the W uh, before. Now they see this brand Jordan, this maybe commercial, maybe news. Yeah. Now their attention is, is, is um, brought to it. So it's really, really big. So mental health is incredibly important to you. Um, it is, you know, your platform. Um, what about mental health 
um, have you um, experienced and, mm-hmm. you know, how has it changed your life? Right. For me personally, um, you know, I grew up with a dad who uh, later I found out during my uh, college years who uh, struggled with schizophrenic disorder. Um, I myself um, in college started really uh, struggling with depression and and anxiety. But back then, it wasn't something that we talked about. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I thought my dad was just like uh, an alcoholic who just rambled on um, to himself. Um, I didn't really understand that he was suffering like um, severe hallucinations and things. I didn't understand for the depression that I was feeling um, early on. Uh, that I could possibly get get help for this. Only thing I knew was like, man, you talk about like your your mental health or anything, or if when I think about my dad, people are gonna say they're crazy because you know yeah. it's, it's a stigma. It was a stigma yeah. associated with it. In, in 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 the world, we have this the stigma, but and also cult- culturally within yeah. my walls. Yeah. Um, you know, growing up as a, a woman who was raised like Lutheran and my family's really big in the church, it was like, Hey, you know, you can just pray, pray this away. Yes. Yeah. And so that was really, um, tough for me. So I learned at a young age to just like stuff my feelings and emotions. And then you get involved in sports, you, you add that in and it's like, uh, you gotta be mentally tough, you know, mm-hmm. almost like that survival of the fittest mentality. And for me, um, when I was at the height of my career, that's when I was really struggling. Um, and I didn't know how to really open my mouth and like vocalize that, you know? So that's when I say these women understand the power yeah. of their voice. You know, yeah. when I was, you know, center stage, if I would have really opened up and say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm living in plain in Washington, DC, the most powerful place, uh, in our, our country, if I had to say, hey, I'm struggling with depression um, and been a little more confident and understanding about that, I think, you know, I would have really also been able to um, knock down, you know, different doors and things like that. But, you know, I had to go through some hard times and, you know, um, really understand emotionally what mm-hmm. I was dealing with. And oh yes, it's, it's it's been a tough journey, but you know I finally have gotten to the other side of it. You know after being diagnosed with bipolar disorder and finally um, not being in denial and getting mm-hmm. the help that I that I needed. That's that's the key because um, you know a lot of people struggle with mental health concerns, yeah. and um, you know you, you tack on me at the time being like a world class athlete, and I'm used to having total control of my body if I want to get faster and I'm. I know how I feel, yeah. but it was like, almost like I chopped my head off and I, it's like, mm. I couldn't deal with that. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is like, I'm, I'm like freaking out. Right, right. And, and then, you know, finally, uh, I just really decided to, to, to do the work because, um, I couldn't do it on my own anymore. I mean, I've, I've been through it, you know, suicide attempts and, you know, not wanting, you know, not wanting to be here, not understanding, not having hope. And when you lose right. hope, that's a yes. scary thing. So yeah. I just had to, I just had to really realize that, you know, I, I couldn't be afraid anymore because I was mm-hmm. suffering in silence and I realized there's probably a lot of people um, going through the same thing. So I just started to share my journey more with others. Now, I, I totally understand that. And I have friends who have experienced um, super heightened um, depression and, and bipolar. One of my mm-hmm. questions always um, for people in mental health is how can we help? A lot of times, you know, friends and family don't necessarily recognize the signs 
Um, mm-hmm. Or, you know, some people even ignore it. You know, they just chalk it off to, you know, having a bad day. How can people in your circle or people in other people's circle help people with mental health and recognize when to right. say, hey, how can I help? Key thing is just being a, a little, a little like just understanding kindness and that mm-hmm. we're all struggling with something. And you'll be surprised. I mean, you have friends and people in circles and you really don't check in with each yep. other. Yep. It's not like, hey, you know, um, hey, I know you've been busy. I just want to make sure everything's good at home. You all right? I'm just, you know, I love you or I'm here mm-hmm. for you. And, you know, just see how that goes. I think sometimes we don't even have that dialogue. And that's that's the part that's sort of like doing us. And, you know, everybody's just like speeding through, you know, worried about themselves sometimes and just don't extend. You know, you, you could work in an office or, you know, you just have that person. Oh, my God, he gets on my nerves or she gets on my nerves. And, um, you know, you're hiding, hiding in your space. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, I always ask my friends, do you ever say to them, yeah, how's everything going? Are you okay? Yeah. Because sometimes just asking that, that it seems so minor, but sometimes that can like open people up for conversation that can create like a, like a shift. It can break Mm -hmm. you out of um, your monotony. So I would just say, just like, I can't use the word kindness enough and and be a little more understanding. I think sometimes we're like so judgmental. um, Yeah. And, and, you know, you know how that goes. We, we yeah. think, oh, my God, they need to do this. <laughs> you yes. know, everybody's struggling with something. Now, what would be, you know, your advice to people who um, are struggling asking for help? I, I would say something. And again, my advice is not like platinum or anything. I would say gold. <laughs> um, but my grandma used to tell me something and it finally hit home. A closed mouth. Uh, what she said? A closed mouth. Closed mouth don't get fed. Don't get fed, you know? Yeah. And um, I know I went through that. I, and um, I'm like, man, no one's there for me, whatever. People can't read minds, right. you know? And you have to realize what's a safe space for you. You know, I always tell young kids, it may not be mom and dad or your guardian. That's why you you go to school. It may be a counselor. It may be a coach. Um, Now these young kids are blessed with so many resources of people that they can talk to, that the schools are giving them, the community is giving them. Mm -hmm. So just try to figure out what what, what, um, feels good to you, you know, and it might not always be. Um, something that you can put on a best friend, you know, because right, right, everybody, right. they may not can, can handle it. So, right. you know, if your, your best friend, I told when I first was really struggling, I told my cousin and we were like super close and he was living with me and his perspective um, and his advice, his outlook was basically, yo, how could you be sad? And, oh man, you, this is what we dreamed for as a kid. Yeah, like your name yeah. is on it. And it yeah. wasn't that he didn't love me and support me for him. It's like, man, th- you're living life, you know, yeah. and, and not understanding how emotionally damaged I was. And so mm-hmm. he, to this day, apologizes about that. And I'm like, you know what? I, I, I shouldn't have stopped there. When he told me that I just said, okay, I can't be sad. And yeah. I started stuffing my emotions inside and keeping stuff inside. And what happens when we stuff, if I take a bag and I'm stuffing yeah. stuff, eventually Converse. it yeah. overflows. And, um, that was where, that's where you don't want yourself to get, you know what I'm saying? So just know that, um, you're not alone in this journey.
Now, who are you now versus who you were when you first started? Wow. When, when I, like, what age first started? Like, <laughs> you're 21. Cause I feel like at 21, you kind of sort of like know yourself a little bit more. You know, you right. kind of transition to adulthood. Right. So 21 versus 44. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's almost double time. Um, 21, you know, I was just like eyes wide open, speeding through life. Um, didn't, didn't, yeah, just, just blinders on, you know, mm-hmm. um, just riding, riding a wave, um, not really having a lot of, uh, understanding about who I, who I was. It wasn't until like in my thirties, that's when I really like, okay, this is who I am. These are my principles. This is how like, I want to live my life. And now being a 40, 40 something year old person, I, I, and, and with a child, me and my partner, we have a son. I, I don't really, I just really operate on what, what makes me and my family happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really not like into a lot of external opinions and stuff doesn't bother me the same. Like mm-hmm. when I was younger, things, uh, I just couldn't get rid of them mentally. I'm like, oh my God, you know, now I'm just like, why am I stressing about that? I have yeah. no control yeah. over it. You know, yeah. I, I got to focus on my family and, you know, the things with my community that make me feel good and, not not saying that like you aren't going to run into any like difficult times, but you know, my, my mind says on positive positivity um, and how I can like help others and, and, and be an asset um, and just be there for my family and help my, help my son grow up to be a productive uh, citizen. more questions for you um, before mm-hmm. we close out. Um, are there any WNBA stars currently that you just really enjoy watching that you just know are changing oh, the game? Yes, I mean there's there's several. Uh, I love uh, from Washington uh, Mystics, Elena Deladon. I yes. love, you know, Candace Parker, Diamond DeShields. Uh, man, let me see. Uh, well, Candace Parker is kind of a given. <laughs> I, <laughs> Family I know. for you. That don't count. <laughs> I know. I know. You're right. Uh, I mean, there's this, oh, oh, oh. I can't. I cannot forget uh, Asia Wilson. Like yes, that's yeah, like a, yeah. ho- a house, a household favorite here. Um, yeah, she's probably like out of young players. That's probably like one we really love and, and like really try to like always support because like her journey is uh, just beginning and mm-hmm. you just to see, you know, you see a young person come in and just see them grow and, you know, start to understand how this thing works. So we're, we're, we're always rooting for her. And, um, you know, I just love, um, uh, what's my girl. I'm having a brain brain, uh, skipping me, but, uh, Tasha from the mystics, you know? Yeah. I yeah, really, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love her and like all the work that she does, like a social justice space. So mm-hmm. again, you know, you, you start to, I always tell people like um, certain, certain, certain people you, you like, you like the way they play, you know, but I think yeah. being a former player for me, it's like, all right, you're good. You're great. But wow, they're doing X, Y, mm-hmm. and Z. That's mm-hmm. what I tell my little cousin when I want to take to a game. I'm like, oh my God, do you know she does this in the community and she does yeah. that? And that's what I kind of hang on to, you know? It's 
crazy how being more than an athlete um, has really like taken off. Like it's not just, you know, what you can do on the court, off the court, you know, completely rounds out an athlete these days. And it's incredible to see that journey, even within like the last five years, um, seeing yes. how players have just been adamant about being more than just someone who just shuts up and dribble. Right. Uh, LeBron James. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. No, we, we, we love it. I, I just, I just really, um, I, I think it's been, even with the world kind of, you know, shutting down, whatever, it gave opportunity for us to be more engaged. And I guess mm -hmm. getting our social stuff from social media and just to see like these athletes, you know, speaking up and, 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 and using their voices and, um, you know, promoting their, their, their different platforms. It's just inspiring and right. inspires, um, us all because everyone always thinks it's, it's sometimes even being a mom like there's not enough hours in a day you know what i'm right. saying but you have people that are like parents leading fortune 500 companies yes. people that are demanding yes. athletes that, you know yes. it's just like you know what there's no excuse let me try to get this together right. you know so it inspires me also Do you have want to get back involved in basketball in any capacity? Like, I mean, can um, we be a, a coach? <laughs> well, you know, I I definitely I like really working in the wellness space. Um, okay. I, I do. Uh, I always like, young athletes ask me to like work them out and stuff like that. I'll do things of, of that capacity. But you know, um, as I start to uh, you know really figure out, you know, mommying, you know, yes, uh -huh. mommying, and being there for my son. Um, I think as I'm out with him, I had him, we were playing basketball. We visit our uh, family in South Carolina and I'm like, man, like, okay, he, if he likes this, like, I think I need to like probably be a little more involved in it. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe like coaching you team or something like that, yeah. the, the little kids or whatever. So um, that would probably be my gift back. And now my last question to you is who is your real sports hero? Oh, my real sports hero. Wow. Oh my God. I mean, okay. I have like, okay. They, they, they we got to say like modern athletes. It doesn't even matter. It, it could be for somebody from 1902. I don't know if that's even possible, but. Wow. You know, right? <laughs> 19, um, you know, I'm I'm kind of like a, a a throwback, so I'm gonna say like, when you look at the the impact and how something could affect someone's career, you know, because nowadays like you know people do care about mm -hmm. their public per persona, but those who went against the grain and really were able to like do amazing things and create like a shift and mm -hmm. just teach us the power in our voices. So I had to go like Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's definitely like a sports sports icon. And if you look at like basketball, like I read a lot about like Bill Russell, yes. those, those type of, um, you know, those guys and the, and the, and the Jim Browns. And so yes. I, I'm thankful for those, for those, because they, they could have lost a, a lot and they didn't care about it. They were like, heck no, like we're standing up for this. And so, you know, now I feel like maybe the energy that they had, you know, mm -hmm. somehow we lost our way, but I feel it coming back. <laughs> right. Exactly.
it popped in my brain. I want to ask you, how can we find you in this wellness space? Um, the things that you're doing um, and how can people like reach out or find more material concerning the things that you do? Right. And so I'm one of I'm one of those. I'm not really like attached to like the social aspect of the world. I just kind of like doing the work. But, um, you know, my 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 Instagram, I have I have Instagram and Twitter account. And I think both of those are like C-Hold1, C-H-O-L-D-1. Um, I have amazing um organizations that um, I, I partner with from Jed Foundation to Active Minds, um, Community Access. So I'm always like around just really just just trying to help these young kids, you know, and a lot of it for me is not about like being seen, <laughs> even though right, my friends right. tell me, you know, if you if you didn't video it, it's like you didn't haven't done it. But it's just like about matters of the heart. I really just like touching. So if you go to those type of um, the Instagram, social media, um, I'm always reminded you have to like post some stuff. So I, I yeah. post it up or if I'm doing like um, a speaking, um, if I'm not speaking somewhere, I'll put that on social media. Awesome. Okay. well, thank you so much. This was everything. Thanks for listening to Real Sports Heroes. Subscribe to the podcast to ensure you're notified when the next episode drops. And please take a second to rate and review the show. We want as many people as possible to be able to engage with our real sports heroes. And your ratings and reviews help other people find our show. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.